Welcome every one of you here tonight. I know that it's a sacrifice for some to come out on a Wednesday night. I know it cost every one of you something to be here tonight. You know what it cost you? Some gas, gas money to come here. And I just want you to know, Kelly and I really appreciate the investment that you're making into not our church, but your church. We appreciate the investment that you are making. And we are so glad tonight that you chose to be. It's a slightly different service, but we're here for the locker room. We are here tonight to join a winning team. Do I hear, woo? You know something about a locker room, for those of you being involved in sports, it's a locker room that really makes a team great. Because it's in the locker room where all the adjustments and things happen. How many times have you watched something on TV, like a football game, or you've watched a basketball game, or a soccer game, and you've heard the commentator say, they need to make some serious adjustments. How many have ever heard that said? And you know what happens in the locker room if you've been in there? Man, you get your butt kicked in the locker room sometimes. Come on, but new strategy, things aren't working, there's correction. But you know the greatest thing that happens in the locker room? There's direction. And the coach will say something like this. You know what, if you want to play like a bunch of individuals, we're going to lose the game. But if you'll pull together as a team, if you'll work together, guess what? This team and anyone we face, we can be, what? Beat? We can be undefeated. And I really believe it's time that we as the church of God recognize and realize with a confidence that we can be undefeated. That we can take the devil head on, that we can go after him, that we can see ministries that we're building and seeing, that we can see them prosper and grow. Why? Because we're together. We're a team. It's not about my agenda or Doug's agenda or Dustin's or Alicia's. It's about the vision of the church, that we come together and we can choose to go off on our own. But you know what? We're just going to hurt ourselves and other people. But when we come together and build, things happen. It's usually a different team that comes out of the locker room. And that's what I want to happen from tonight. I want to see a different team come forth as a result of the locker room. And that's our desire. We want to build a winning team. Kelly and I can't run the church on our own. We've got some great leaders in our church. But you know what? We can't run the church on our own and we don't want to. We believe that in our church, in EMI, that every member has a part to play. It may be small, it may be big, but you know what? It's just as important as the next. And we want you tonight, hopefully, to find a place where you can get plugged into church life, where you can give out of that which you have received and it's been given into you. And we want to see everyone serving in the house and just touching lives. You know, Psalms 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. That's what we want to do in this house. We want to serve the Lord with gladness. And you know what we're going to do first thing tonight? I know that there's some people in here that don't know each other. So what we're going to do is we're going to do an icebreaker right now. It's just a generic, plain and simple one. What I want us to do when I say, I want you to get on your feet and I want you to find someone that you don't know their first name or their name. Okay? And then what I want you to do is I want you to find three interesting facts about that person. And then you do the same with them. Okay, so can we do that? And when I say switch, I want us to find someone else. I want us to find two or three people tonight and just introduce ourselves. Can we do that? Can we do that? Come on, let's go. On your feet. Come on, how many met someone? Obviously, everyone met someone new tonight, found out some stuff about them. I was going to ask you questions, but psych, I'm not. But listen, this is one thing I really would like to see us do. Every time we come to church, every time we come to church, I think we need to find someone new. And and get to know them. You may have been sitting across the church from someone for five years, three years, two years, two months. And you've met them, you've said hi, but you don't know their name. 
You don't know if they're married. You don't know if they've got kids. You don't know where they work or anything. I mean, branch out and really be part. Because if we're part of a winning team, guess what? We've got to get to know each other. Because we're going to be working with each other and doing some great stuff with each other. So we want to do that. Well, listen, what I want to do tonight is every one of you should have grabbed a sheet on the way in. If you did not, um, we can have one. Jimmy can pass one out. If you didn't grab a sheet, um, put your hand up. Mr. Dan's got them, and we'll get that to you. But tonight, I really want to just share really quickly with you um, some leadership principles And I know you may say, hold on a second, Pastor P, you're talking about leadership, but hold on, I thought you were talking about serving in the house. We are. We are. We are still talking about serving in the house. But I'm going to give you some principles tonight. They're on your sheet so you can cheat. You've already looked at them. You already know what's coming. But I'm going to give you some principles tonight that are going to work in every aspect of your life. If you apply these to your life, you're going to be a better husband and a better wife. If you apply these, you're going to be a better employer or employee. If you apply these, you're going to be a better student. You're going to be a better friend. You're going to be a better person. Why? Because these are biblical principles. They are things that you will find in the Word of God. And I want us all to be better. I want to be better. Come on. The Word of God or the church shouldn't just make me better spiritually. It should make me better in every area. And on your sheet, you'll see that I think one of the greatest words or definitions of leadership is the word influence. If you want to know what a leader is, it's someone who influences someone else. Every one of us have the ability to be an influence. Well, I'm not a leader. You influence people. You can affect people all around you. And that's what you've got to realize. Too many people think leadership is a position. Come on, we don't teach that in this house. Jesus didn't teach that. And if he didn't teach it, then listen, we're not going to teach that. It's not about a position that I can be over people. Now understand this, there are positions in leadership. There has to be someone who calls the shot like myself as the pastor. There has to be a leader. But I don't want every one of us to say, oh, I want to be a leader because I want to be over people. If that's our mentality... I'll tell you right now, if God had someone that came through that door right now, which was the person to run this church and could take this church further than what I could, I'm telling you right now, I'd have no problem submitting to that person and working under them. Why? Because my heart is to serve. My heart's not about me. It's about his kingdom. It's about seeing his kingdom grow. So you've got to understand, a lot of people have the wrong mentality. They, they don't see the need to become a leader. Some of you shut off when you talk about leadership principles. You kind of shut off because you don't see the need to be a better leader because you haven't got anyone to lead yet. Well, who do I have to lead? My question to you tonight is, what about yourself? What about yourself? Megan sent me this thought the other day, and I thought it was really cool. Listen to this. I always wondered why somebody didn't do anything about that. Then I realized, I'm somebody. Let me read that one more time. I always wondered why somebody didn't do anything about that. Then I realized, I'm somebody. What we mean by that is we can look and say, well, why someone, why, hey, we're a somebody too. And it's time for us to step up. And if you're a somebody, that means you can make a difference, that you can be a positive influence to people around. And it starts with you leading yourself. If you can't lead yourself well, you're not going to have any chance of leading other people well. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, leading yourself well. Have you ever been around people that just don't lead themselves well? I mean, you don't want to be around them. You know, they set a bad example to people around them. It's a negative vibe that's coming. You know, you look at people like that and you want to steer clear away. Well, we don't want that in the house. Listen to this. I I don't want us to be like the crow in this fable. Listen to this fable that I read. It's really cool. The crow was sitting in a tree doing nothing all day. And a small rabbit saw the crow and he asked him a question. Can I also sit like you and do nothing all day long? Sure, answered the crow. Why not? So the rabbit sat on the ground below the crow following his example. All of a sudden a fox appeared, pounced on the rabbit and ate him. End of story. The tongue-in-cheek moral to this story is as follows. If you're going to sit around and do nothing at all, you had better be sitting high up. 
But if you are down where the action is, you cannot afford to be sitting around doing nothing. So the challenge for every one of us is we're where the action's at. And we can't sit around and do nothing when there's a job to be done. So the key to leading yourself well is you've got to learn self-management. In our lives, listen to this, it's on your sheet. In our lives, we place too much emphasis on decision-making and too little on decision-managing. We know how to make the right decisions, and that's important, and that's vital. But we've also got to follow through with that initial decision. We've got to manage that decision. And that's where our emphasis needs to be. Come on, a lot of us have made New Year's resolutions to go to the gym. We made the decision. We even made it into the gym. We even signed up for six months. But you know what? Two weeks later, we're gone. We made the right decision. But guess what? The decision doesn't count if you're not going to manage that decision properly. And that's what we want to talk to you about today. It's great to make the right decisions, and we should, but we've got to start managing our lives. We've got to start managing the decisions. Why? Because not only do decisions matter, but what we commit our lives to. It's one thing to sign up, but it's another to commit to it. We don't want decision makers only in this church. We don't want people to say, man, I'll sign up for that. And then when we ask you and the roll call goes, you know where to be seen. We want people who are not only going to sign up, but we want people who are decision managers and going to say, man, I'm going to act and I'm going to function in my unction. So let me give you seven key areas, I believe, to help us self-manage ourselves. Point number one, you've got to learn to manage your emotions. The statistics tell us that people with emotional problems are 144% more likely to have an accident than those that don't have emotional problems. That means... Guess what? They're going to have some wrecks. They researched people who had accidents and they found out within six hours of that wreck, most of them had gone through some kind of traumatic experience, whether it was a a conversation or something that their emotions were skew. And as a result of that, guess what? The decision making that they made was off. They had a wreck. They had problems. We've got to watch that we're not controlled by our emotions. Because emotions change. Hello? Emotions change. Sitting here right now tonight, you've maybe had five different emotions that have gone through your mind. Emotions change. But what have you got to learn to do? You've got to learn to take a deep breath. You've got to learn sometimes to walk away. You've got to learn to pray about it. You've got to learn how to seek wise counsel. And sometimes you've got to learn to sleep on that baby. Come on. You can't just make emotional decisions. All of us, I know, could give example after example of wrong decisions. Come on, they're all wrong decisions that we made emotionally. Can I hear an amen? Amen. It's wrong things that we just jump quickly. We've got to watch that we've got to manage our emotions. We've got to learn when to display them and we've got to learn when to delay them. And when we say delay, don't think that we mean that you've got to deny it, that you've got to bury it. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about burying our emotions and denying them. But here's the bottom line on managing your emotions. You should put others, not yourself, first in how you handle and process them. It's in your emotions you should put others first before you in handling those things. Instead of saying, what's in it for me, you've got to say, how will this affect the team? You've got to learn how to manage your emotions. And that, to me, sounds like servanthood, where it's not about me, it's about other people. Second thing is you've got to learn how to manage your time. I think we all need to do this a whole lot better. We need to manage our time better. Why? Because, you know, time is a commodity. Time is something that we cannot stop and we can never regain. We can't say time out. Guess what? Time out. Something's still moving. We cannot stop time. Neither can we regain it. The Bible tells us what we can do, and that is though we can redeem the time. Can't stop it. Can't regain it. But I can redeem it. What does that mean? That I take back control over it. Instead of it controlling every second of my life, I begin to control the decisions and the choices, the management of my life. I begin to manage my time. 
Listen to this. Scott Peck, who was an author and a leading psychiatrist, said this. (coughs) Until you value yourself, you won't value your time. And until you value your time, you will never do anything with it. You've got to value yourself. You've got to value your time so you can be productive with what you're doing. It's amazing. You know, we think today that the currency that we buy and sell things with is money. But can I tell you what we buy things today with is time. We buy things with time. We can turn around and say, well, man, I saved up for five years and I bought that house or I bought that car. You know what really bought that house or that car? Five years of hard work, five years of time that you and I will never regain. And that's why we hear the saying so many times, spending what? Spending your time. It's maybe more than just a metaphor. Maybe there's a lot of truth in that. But here's something I think that will help you when you're looking of what should I do in my life and what shall I add and all this. Here's something to think about. Ask yourself this question. Is this worth spending my life on? Because that's what you're doing when you're spending time. Is this worth spending my life on? Because we heard before, it's not a case of not having enough time if I only had more time. But you know what we need? A greater awareness of the time that we already have. So if we're going to lead, guess what? We've got to learn how to manage our time, manage ourselves. Number three, we've got to manage our priorities. I'm going to say something right now that may shock some of you, but you've got to hear me out. God is not your number one priority. God is not your number one priority. He should be the given. Let me explain that. Priorities change. Priorities change. If God's number one today, guess what? He can be number two or three tomorrow. God is not a priority. He's the title on the page. So if you want to list out your priorities, the title of the page is God, then your priorities. God needs to be the given. So you've got to understand that. God is not a priority. He's the must. He's the given. But you've got to watch your priority. A lot of us wear many hats. You know, being a dad of five kids, you know, you're here there. Last night, Kelly was doing the ladies here. I'm at the ball field with the kids and you're going home and you're bathing and you're cooking and you're putting the laundry on and you're doing and you're pastoring and you're doing this and all that. We wear a lot of hats, every one of us, but we've got to learn how to manage that. We've got to learn to prioritize What's the most important? We must know our priorities and guess what? Build around those. The world has its way of prioritizing our lives for us if we don't watch. We've got to learn to manage our priorities. We've got to learn how to say no. Can you say no? Yes. Come on, say that with me, no. We've got to learn how to say that. No is just as much an answer as yes. Just use no for everyone outside church and just keep yes for the church. How's that? You've got to learn. You've got to learn. You've got to understand that you can't do everything. And in trying to do so, you'll do less and less. It's an analogy. If we have a piece of pie, or if we have a whole pie right now, if I cut that pie up into 12 equal pieces, and I give three pieces over here to do this, and I give four over here, and I give... Guess what? I've only got 12 pieces to use. So what happens? If I want to take on more stuff, guess what happens? I have to take a piece from there and I have to put it here and I have to take a piece from my kids and put it there. I have to take a piece from my wife and put it here. I have to take a piece from God and the church and put it here. You can only divide yourself by what you have. You can't miraculously make 24 pieces when there's only 12. See the thought? So when we add more to our life, guess what? There's not more of us to go out there. It just means there's less for this and less for this. So in trying to do more, there's often less and less of us being poured out. Got to learn to prioritize ourselves. And here's how your priorities should read, I believe. The title is God. The next priority is your spouse. The next priority is your family and your children. Your next priority is your church. And then the priorities after that is work, sports, hunting, whatever, however it goes. But the first priorities, not God, he's on the top. Then it's your spouse, then it's your family, then it's your church, and then it's your work. Okay? Number four, you've got to manage your energy. We talked a little bit about this with priorities. But don't bankrupt yourself outside of the house. A lot of us work so hard and we should work hard. 
But I'm telling you, you shouldn't be working so hard that by the time you come home to your wife and kids or your family, you're bankrupt and you have nothing left. Because then you are robbing yourself. I heard something on Undercover Boss. Anyone watch Undercover Boss? Kelly and I most nights, on Friday nights now, I think, Kelly and I would sit there with tears rolling down our faces. What a couple of saps, huh? We watched that as they're giving people all this stuff and we're just crying. But you know what? Someone said something the other day and I thought, that is really good. He was the CEO of TaylorMade Golf Clubs and all that goes with TaylorMade. And he said this, here's my philosophy. He said, if you haven't got it done by five o'clock, you're doing too much. And I thought, how true is that? We try and pack so much in and we add and we think we're so important because we've got more to do. But we're bankrupting ourselves from things that are important. We're expelling so much energy here. And I'm not telling you to be a sloth at work. I'm not telling you not to work hard. I'm telling you to do that. But don't give so much that when you come home you can't throw ball with your kids and you can't play in the yard or you can't love on your wife and talk to her and just have a conversation because you're so tired and you're so drained. Just leave me alone. You've got to manage your energy. One thing I'm realizing, as you all probably know by now, I'll be 40 soon, and I'm beginning to realize something. I'm not as invincible as I thought I used to be. I used to feel that I could be running 100 miles a day, but you know what? In my mind, I still think I can do that, but my body's starting to tell me that I cannot. But you know what? My mind's been wrong for thinking that I can do that because I'm wasting energy on things that are perhaps not important instead of prioritizing what is important. Every one of us has a breaking point. I pray you haven't found that yet, but every one of us has a breaking point. But you know what tends to happen is we find or identify that breaking point, and then we just come one tick down from it. So we run on the edge all the time. I mean, we're killing ourselves. We're killing ourselves. We've got to learn to manage our energy. High energy is great, but it's unsustainable forever. You know, you can't sprint a marathon. You can't go 50 miles an hour and sprint a marathon. You're only going to get a few, maybe half a mile at most, and you're going to be dropping to your knees. You've got to pace yourself. You've got to take it on. And life's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You've got to know how to gauge your life. You've got to check the gauges. We heard this saying once, we'd be a fool in our cars if we're driving along and a check engine light came on. You say, I don't like that. And you took a hammer and smashed the light. How stupid would that be? But then we're shocked when our car breaks down and say, what happened? The warning signs were flashing. But you know what? We don't heed to those. We're just smashing. Come on, you've got to manage your energy. You with me tonight? Ready? You've got to manage your thinking. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You've got to manage your thoughts. The Bible also tells us that we've got to renew our minds. The Bible also tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, We've got to bring every thought into captivity. The Bible also tells us in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 that we've got to have a sound mind, that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. That's safe thinking. That's what that means. Safe thinking, controlled thinking. Come on, how many of you lay down at night and your minds go crazy? Come on, we've got to manage our minds. We've got to control our thoughts. Something about your mind is this. Your mind will give back to you exactly what you put into it. What you put into it is what's going to come out of it. There's a Chinese proverb that says, engage brain before opening mouth. Think. Manage your thinking. Manage your thinking. Take time to think and listen to this and watch what you are thinking about. Take time to think, but watch what you are thinking about. Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, if there's a good report, if there's a virtue. And he prays, Philippians says, think on these things. Meditate, dwell on those things, not other things. You know, I I think it's good for every one of us if we would develop a practice, if we don't already, that we would set aside a designated time where we would just sit and think. Just think things through, even for five minutes. You know that they say one Oh, five minutes. They say this, five minutes of thinking is more productive than one hour of work without thought. Just five minutes to sit and think can be more productive than one hour of labor, of work without thought. So I really think we need to sit down and plan. Just sit and ponder. Mary, the Bible says, was overwhelmed by everything that was happening. And the Bible says what? 
She what? She held these things. She pondered these things in her heart. She had to take that time out and just sit and get her mind around everything that had happened to her. I think it's good, isn't it, to start thinking things through. Just sitting back and thinking about it. Pray about it. Number six, you've got to manage your words. It's one thing about words, and that is this. You cannot take them back. Once you have released those words, they are out there and you cannot take them back. Once you have spoken those words, they are now out of your control. Legendary basketball coach John Wooden said this, show me what you can do, don't tell me what you can do. You've got to watch that your words aren't just words and they never become action. Don't make promises if you're not going to fulfill. Come on, we've got to manage our words. We've got to watch our conversation, how we speak. There's death and life, the Bible says, in the power of the tongue. We've got to watch what we're speaking over our life, our finances, our family, our future. We've got to speak life. We've got to manage our words. Someone once said this. If you want to make sure that your words carry weight, then weigh them well. If you want to know that your words carry weight, then weigh them well. Thinking, managing your thinking will also help you with your thoughts too. Because if you sit down and think about something, you probably won't say what you wanted to say. Come on, do a hand or an amen. And I believe you only have something truly to say if you're speaking the truth. Number seven, almost done. You've got to learn how to manage your personal life. You can do everything right at work, church. You can do everything right in the eyes of everyone else, but you know what? If your personal life is a mess, it will eventually turn everything else sour. One thing we teach here is membership. We teach that membership is in representation. What do we mean by that? That membership is you are representing not only yourself, but you are representing this church. You are representing God. So you aren't just representing this church as a member on a Sunday. You are representing throughout the week in the car wash, in the, wherever you're at, at the grocery store. You are representing God and this church. And we've got to make the right decisions here. We've got to manage those decisions. We've got to learn to live by His standard, by His words. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing because just because they're doing it doesn't make it right for you. In fact, if everyone else is doing it, it's probably a good indication you don't need to be. You've got to manage your personal life. I don't care what Oprah Winfrey says. I don't care what President Obama says. I want to know what God says. And I want to build my life upon what God says because when we know the truth, the Bible says there's freedom and liberty that comes through those. You shall know the truth and the truth you know shall make you free. There's freedom that comes as we manage our personal lives. Come on, listen to this. I'm almost done. Your personal life, whether public or private, must line up. That's what we call character and integrity. Character is what you are in the dark when no one else is looking. And we want to make sure that our personal life, whether it's public or private, it's the same. That's why we've said this before. The pulpit here in this church, we're getting ready to get a new one soon, but it's always going to be clear or trans- We're not going to have a box that we can hide behind. Why? Because I want you to know that when we stand and preach to you and anyone that we have that stands and preaches to you and speaks into your life, we want it to be transparent for what reason? Because we're the same person outside of the pulpit as what we are inside of the pulpit. Don't want to live a double life, double standards and double things. Come on, we've got to have character and integrity. So say those things with me today, would you? Let's go through the list together. Come on, we need to learn to manage my emotions. I need to manage my, I need to manage my priorities. I need to manage my energy. I need to manage my, I need to manage my, I need to manage my, and let me close with this. If I cannot lead myself, others won't follow me. If I cannot lead myself, others won't respect me. If I cannot lead myself, then others will not partner with me. Look at me. To lead out here, you first got to lead in here.
And that's a principle that I believe is going to change it. Great to make the right decisions, but we've now got to manage those decisions. And we've got to have self-management in our life because we can look at everyone else and say, I can't believe this is going on again. But you know what? Who's the one that's allowing it? Who's the one that's got the control over your life? You and I have. We cannot change the things that we don't have power over, but I have power over my life, what I do and what I don't do. And we know Satan wants to take that and he's there to tempt me. But thank God, God says, I can come in and give you the strength that you can overcome. Come on, we're overcomers in Christ Jesus. We've got to learn to manage our lives and touch God through that. Is that good? So tonight what we want to do now for the next part of the night, we want to have almost a recruiting night. We've just seen the NBA, not the NBA, the NFL draft. How people have come and they said, I want this player and I want that. You know what? We want you. We want you to be part of the winning team. But here's what we want. You want to, we want you to be part of the winning team in the capacity that you feel you can help us win. If you don't like kids, we don't want you in the nursery. You know, If you can't sing, then we love you, but don't get on the platform. You know, if you, if you don't like smiling, then we probably don't need you on the welcome team. If you don't like to smile, we'll put you in the nursery because, no, I'm only fine. But, you know, there's so many. So we're here to recruit you tonight. And what we're trying to do, and let me explain this, and then I'm going to ask Jessica. We're going to have some different one of our leaders come up, and they're just going to present to you their ministry and just talk to you about it. And at the end of the night, what we're going to do is we're going to make ourselves available. And what we'd like you to do is those of you who said, man, I want to be a part of that. Oh, I want more information about this. Or, hey, I could do that. Then what we want you to do is we want you to go to that leader and give him your name and information. And guess what? Just because you sign up for something tonight, we're not going to have you on the register or the rotor on Sunday. We're going to train you. We're going to help you. We're going to walk you through it. So don't think we're just going to throw you to the dogs and let you go. We want to train you. We want to help you. We want to build you. We want to invest in you because we believe that you're a worthy investment. So we're looking at things in this church. We're changing some things. It used to be that anyone to be involved in any ministry at our church had to be three months in the church. There was three things that we looked for. You had to be saved. You had to be an active giver, a tither in the church. And you had to be in the church for three months. But we realized that we want to build our shallow end of our pool. And we've got some things that we're working on. And we want to get people plugged in into a ministry area in the church. And we're going to be looking to, to funnel everyone through our welcome team. So what we'd like to try and do for everyone is start people through the welcome team. And then from there, we're going to branch you into the different ministries and the different areas. So almost that three-month period, or however long it will be, you'll be serving people through the welcome team and then working your way into other areas of ministry. So that's what we're trying to do with people. And we're going to give you training and we're going to help you as we go through that so there's things that we're going to be changing over the next few months but we want you to hear tonight what you can be involved in what you can be a part of that you can sow into so we're going to ask Jessica if she could come up Jessica's going to come up tonight and she's going to talk about the nursery let's give it up for Jess in the house thank you good evening everybody it's good to see you tonight um I have my notes so just bear with me um I when in May, I talked to Kelly about that I, it was really on my heart to take over the nursery. It's been a passion of mine since I started. Stephen and I have been um, here at the church for almost two years, and so we were probably right about that three-month mark when Kelly approached me and said, is that something you might be interested in, just joining our team? And when I first joined, it wasn't necessarily so much because it was a calling on my heart, but more or less because I felt like I owed it back to the people who had taken care of Griffin so that I could sit in service. So after, um, after volunteering for a couple of services, I realized that it was much deeper than that for me, and that I was being blessed just immensely by the children. And in the, in the couple of years that we've been here, I've been able to see a few of the kids come and go. Reese has come through, Jacoby has come through, and to see them start with us and to know that we almost are laying a foundation for their faith is just an incredible um, feeling and to know that when they're the most vulnerable and impactful we are setting the tone for their walk with Christ so um, with that being said nothing that is worth doing is um, usually accomplished without getting your hands a little bit dirty so there is snot there is poop there is tears but um, 
tenfold, there is laughter, smiles, blessings, just good times in there, and and really getting to know the kids' hearts and getting to see their um, childlike faith, which is what we're called to have. And there's no better way to see it or to experience it than to spend time with the children. So the whole goal of our nursery is to give parents a chance to attend service and not have to feel anxious or nervous about where their child is. And um, all of our children, all of the children who are in our nursery are very well taken care of. And we give them snacks and movies and, and ministry and fun. And the parents can sit in here and feel assured because everyone who works in the nursery goes through a back, background check. So um, there's nobody in there who shouldn't be. Um, with that being all said, we need your help. We have a great team, but we need more people. Um, many of us who work in there have children in there, and so we are called to serve, and we can't be in service. So the more people that we can gather, whether or not you have children or not, the more that all of our parents technically can attend service. So um, I just ask that whether you have children or you're single and you're just here and you feel the tug on your heart for nursery, that you would just pray about it and see if this is where your fit would be with us. And if you feel like it is, please come talk to me after service, and I'll get your information, and we'll have a sign-up sheet here Sunday, and then we can see if this is, you know, really where you want to be. So, thank you. Awesome. Fantastic. And one thing that we do ask in every area of ministry, if we could, we ask that people could make a commitment for at least six months. So if you sign up for the nursery team, don't think I'm going to have to do nursery till God comes back. You know, maybe God would come back quicker if we had more people sign up for the nursery because there'd be more people praying for... No, I'm playing. But no, it's an incredible ministry. But, you know, we, we ask for every ministry that people have at least a six-month um, commitment to that. And for obvious reasons, by the time we train and schedule and just everything like that, it helps us. And one thing that we will add, too, about the nursery is this, that we do allow men to work in the nursery as well as women. This is something at first I was like, no way. But we met with a, a leading childhood development specialist. And um, he said, you know what? You need to have men in your nursery because there's a lot of children today growing up in single families that don't have a male role model in their families. And therefore, you can give that to them. Now, being a guy in the nursery, there are certain things that we don't do. We don't change diapers. We don't do things like that. So it's a good job. But, you know, most of the time, but it's some of the guys and Jessica and Kelly and different ones can tell you, some of the guys in the nursery are the most popular people in the nursery, Joanne can tell you, um, because the kids absolutely love them. So we're looking for people to serve in the nursery. If you've got any questions or anything, please see Jessica after. Right now, the next great area. Yes, Joanne, sorry. And he was just saying how excited he was and how much he loved working in there because when you have a kid that's been in the nursery and then they get up and they go into children's church and then later on they'll come run up and give you a hug and talk to you, it's just one of the most rewarding things. And so uh, keep that in mind because it's really great. Come on, fantastic, awesome. Come on, yes, yes. All right, next we've got Sarah who's in charge of our iKids, Impact Kids, and does a fantastic job. She's going to tell you how you can be involved and help. Okay, um, again, my name is Sarah. Um, I have been working with children's ministries for a very long time. I guess I uh, first felt the call from God probably about 15 years ago or so um, when Samantha was probably in second grade. I felt, uh, or I guess I started first having a vision for children's ministry and my first, my passion and um, things started growing and I started really feeling a call or a tug on my heart for what I was supposed to do with um, with ministry and things. And I've honestly never really been able to um, fully develop my plans or the things I wanted to do or what God has for me to do. And honestly, so that's really why I'm here today to ask for your help because I've really never had the help from um, a church and I've really never been given the capacity to do the things that I feel called to do. And Philip has allowed me to, um, to be able to work within the church and to be able to do the things that I want to do and honestly has given me the free reign to do the things that I want to do and has just said, here's a room, here's the tools, and you can pretty much do what you want to do. I trust you. I trust you with your vision and I believe in everything that you're saying. I believe what God has laid on your heart. 
Um, we work with a program called 252 Basics. It's very, very wonderful. It's fundamentals that teach wonderful things to your children. It teaches three basic truths. It teaches um, children that I can trust God no matter what. I need to make the right choices. And I should teach others what, uh, the way I want to be treated. Basically, by the time your children are and finish the fifth grade, they already believe what God um, they already had this fundamental set in their heart the way God is supposed to tr- be treated, the way God has, um, the, what their opinion of God is. I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, by the time they finish fifth grade, that's what psychologists have learned. That's what they believe. So by the time they're finished with me or by the time they're finished with us, when they're leaving fifth grade, they already think they know everything. So that's why it's really, really important for us as a church to work with them and instill the, the fundamentals in them as much as we can through the age of 10, 12 years of age and honestly get these truths set into them. With this program, we are able to honestly teach them very, very easily and work with them very, very easily. And honestly, we can, you can just go through the program and you can very, very simply lay out as simply as, you know, you can read to them, you can be a helper, you can just do whatever you want to if you feel the call to work with children from kindergarten to through fifth grade. We need people to help buy crafts. We need people to check kids in. So if you honestly have a, a desire, if you're a single parent and you want to work with kids, if you don't have kids, if you you know are a grandparent, I need people to do all sorts of things. If you have a few extra minutes in the afternoon and you have want to type kids' names into the computer, we need things from all realms to help out in this age group. So don't feel that, you know, I don't, I'm scared. I don't want to work with this age group. You know, just come and see me and let me know. You know, I do want to help out a little bit. And trust me, I can get you involved. We do extra things throughout the summer. We have vacation Bible school that comes up. So, you know, if you have time, there's things that I can get you involved in. So, again, just come and see me and let me know, and I can't promise you that I can get you involved. We have all different activities. We have all different things. There are some level, some way that I can have you involved in. So thank you very much. Fantastic. And all the curriculum that she said is web-based, so it means if you've got a computer, you can log on and we'll give you access. You can plan all your lessons. They're all there, so you don't have to say, what am I going to teach? It's all laid out, uh, and it's just a great, um, great, great tool. And um, we've really invested heavily in that because we believe in that, so you can be a part. And as Sarah said, you don't have to lead a group. We need helpers as well as leaders. So we need people just in there. So if there's a capacity in your heart for that, Please see Sarah afterwards. Right now, we're going to hand it over to Pandemic. Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. Joshua Howard is in the house. Come on, let's give it up for Josh in the house. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Having a great night tonight, right? Aren't we excited to be at Hard Seas Family Life Church, one of the best places you've ever been to in your life, right? Especially on a Wednesday when it is storming outside. That's okay because there's so much storm going on in this building. Amen? Amen. You can do better than that. Amen. Amen. So I am part of a pan, wrong side, sorry. pandemic youth ministry, formerly known as Front Row. I uh, relieved my sister, um, that girl right there, Wade Megan, relieved her um, of the duties of youth pastor, keeping it in the family for a while. But I've done, I'm going on my third year, July 26th, the only anniversary that I do have in my life for a while, and that's perfectly fine with me. But um really, we're going from middle school and high school. And um, when I first started this as a 21-year-old guy, I was like, what am I getting myself into? Dealing with teenagers on a daily basis. Youth ministry is a daily thing. Youth ministry is almost just like a miniature church, okay? You, You know, I go from one job to the next. However, it is one of the most rewarding things that I've done. I never thought I would do it, but I'm so grateful that I'm here. So, How do you see yourself fitting into it? You may see yourself not fitting into it, but I can tell you there are things that you can do, whether it is just being a presence in the back. You know, teenagers, they need supervision. They want it. Um, Most of my students back there, I would almost say 80% of them come from broken homes. So if they see, you know, a man back there just standing there saying, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? What's going on in your life? That'll make a difference. If they see a woman back there who can be a mother, who can be nurturing to them, that will make such an impact on their lives. We're doing things constantly. 
always on the move, always going. I can, if you want something, you know, I know Pastor Philip said we want to keep you in the shallow end, but I promise you, I'll give you a little weak trial in the shallow, shallow end, and I'll throw you in the deep, and we'll be rolling in it. All right, so if you ever, ever, if you want to get involved, come see me afterwards. I'm telling you, I can find a place for you. I want you involved. I don't care if you have kids. I don't care if you've had grandchildren. There's a place for you to be a part of Pandemic Youth Ministry. Good job, good job. And again, it's not weekly. You don't have to be in there every week. We're going to schedule. We want people so we can plan stuff. And like Josh said, we've got special events like they did Warrior Dash. Maybe you could just go to that. We just need helpers throughout it all. Okay, the next great ministry is I want Trey to come and talk about our production team. He's going to be talking about that. So give it up for Trey in the house. I'm out of breath just watching my (laughs) brother-in-law. And I will say... That dude is full with so much energy, and I think he'll be the first one to tell you it's because the passion that he has for the house and serving. And to see how much Josh has grown, he's like a walking infomercial. I mean, <laughs> like when he was going high five, I was just like, I thought he was going to come out with like a George Foreman, and we are going to start grilling meat. But uh, my wife and I are, have just been truly blessed, and it really, really is a privilege to be the leaders of our praise and worship team. And a part of that team is our awesome sound team. These are the most underappreciated people in our church. Come on, let's just give them a shout out. Awesomeness in here. It's so easy to be in this church and to look and you see the band and you see us. But let me tell you, we are nothing without them. And Fred and Andrew and Miss Tammy and Patricia and Susan and Marcus, all those who help, whether it's with the sound, with the words. And, and I'll kind of elaborate in a second, but even starting to do different things with lights, it's, we would be lost without them. And I just want to tell you tonight, like our greatest need, if I'm just being honest tonight, is for people who are willing to help with the words, by far. And if you really appreciate and know how important they are, if we were to take away these for one service, how many of us would be lost? We wouldn't, be, we wouldn't know what to sing. We'd be looking, like I'd look out from the drums and everybody's just staring. I mean, it's such an important part, so are really looking for people who are interested. You may think, well, how can I do that? It's crazy difficult. It's not. It's very, it's very simple. The difficult thing is being committed and being faithful and giving your time. But if you're interested, please come see, see us after service or any Sunday morning in a way that you can help, and I'll get your information. We're actually eventually going to have just a big training day where we show people how to do the words and Last but not least, I just want to encourage you, whether it's in this ministry or any ministry, serving will change your life. Y'all may think I'm crazy. I know that I wouldn't have my wife standing beside me today if it wasn't for God and just being there for me. And I believe that when you are faithful to God in his house, like every area of your life is going to flourish and it's going to be blessed. Um, Our pastor quoted John Wooden tonight. Those of you who don't know who he is, he was like the greatest college basketball coach ever. Coach UCLA, won like eight, nine, ten, all these national championships. The quote that he talked about was from his book or his ideology about pyramid of success. And is all these different fundamentals and different factors that he had his team do. Not just so they can win games, but that he can build quality men who are going to make a difference in life. And when they stepped out of the basketball court, were going to be just awesome. And you know, we have a pyramid of success in this church, and I truly believe it's EMI, every member involved. I believe whether it's getting involved in the walk-up team as our pastor started, like you will see every area blessed. And one of the things that John Wooden also says when he's talking about his star team and one of his best teams, that he says something along the lines of the thing about stardom, it's really about the rest of the team. When you really think about that, I want to tell you, like our church is going to be what it's going to be because of everybody in here. Not just because of our pastor, not just because of our leaders. We are only going to touch this world because of our team. And whether it's, I'm begging you tonight, come on, be a part of the words ministry. You will be blessed. It's an opportunity to see praise and worship from a different aspect. I know it's touched me years ago to be able to look out from the back and to see all these people with their hands lifted and worshiping. And I just encourage you, and, I, and I, it's not my promise, but I believe if you serve, whether it's this ministry or any, any ministry, your life is going to change radically. So don't delay. Let's, but, you know, make it happen today. <laughs> Come on. Hey. Come on, that's good. 
Right now we're going to hand it over to Douglas, I think one of the finest ministries in the church too, bringing people to church. He's going to talk about our limo team. Good evening, good evening. It's going to be difficult to follow all these people. Pastor Philip just messed up a good story. I was going to get up here and tell you, actually, that I'm the guy that sings baritone on this platform every Sunday. Just, just teasing. But the truth is, I am a part of one of the greatest uh, ministries in this church, and in, in that uh, I drive the bus myself in Earl, and we are looking for a few good men and women. We don't discriminate. Uh, ideally, we would like to have three more drivers and six riders. Riders are very important in assisting the driver. It would make it easier for uh, everyone involved, even for the the, uh, the members that are riding the bus. Uh, it's a very important ministry. But uh, we're sharing in the vision of this church and our pastor in transporting people to and from church safely. Um, and we would love for uh, you to be a part of that. We, uh, we're planning on... on growing and we're going to be needing more riders and and more drivers and and we would like uh people that are are committed to serving you know uh if you don't want to if you don't want to commit and be a part of a growing ministry then you might want to look for something else to do this is a great ministry the limo team thank you brother and uh, and and like I say, we would we would love to have you. I, I want to share uh, a verse with you from the Bible. It's it's from the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter eleven, verse thirty. It says, "The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise." Now, I'm not saying we'll be winning souls, but we'll be a, a crucial part, you know, of bringing people. Man, I'm telling you, it's an awesome ministry. So come on and be a part. We'd love to have you, and uh, be wise. Amen? Amen. Amen. A lot of fantastic ministries in the church. I'm telling you right now, if I wasn't at the front every Sunday, that is one of the top priorities that I would I'd be on the bus driving. I drive the bus for Vacation Bible School and drive it for things. I love it. Kelly says I'm like a big kid on the bus. And um, we're believing soon to have another bus. And another bus. I'd love to see a fleet of buses bringing hundreds of people to church every Sunday. And we're going to see it happen. But you know what? We've got to be faithful with the one first. And as we're faithful with the one, God's going to bless us with the two and the threes and the fours. Right now we're going to talk to Jimmy. Jimmy's going to come up and talk about another ministry that we've got at the church that you can be involved in. That's the nursing home ministry. Hello. How's everybody doing? Y'all are about to be introduced to the most, probably one of the most awesome ministries we have here because even if you are part of the youth, even if you are part of the band, even if you are part of the nursery, you can be at this one all the time. Every time we have one, we have, we try to have it every time that there's a major holiday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, 4th of July, Christmas, Thanksgiving and stuff like that, nursing home. Some people think nursing home, they think, okay, I'm out. It's about like hearing some people say the nursery, diapers, stuff like that. Uh-uh. Guess what? We're all heading there one day. Hopefully not to a nursing home. Hopefully the Lord comes back before we have to get to that point. But those people in there, as we were doing it when we first started doing it, the head lady over there that was head of the activity director told us that there has been people that have been put in there, stayed in there three, four, five years, died there, and never had the first visitor. Not one. Family members that live here locally, that put them in there locally, not one time were they visited. You can ask some people that have come, I'm not going to say anybody's names, that swore up and down they'd never be there. They've come, it has changed them, their lives. And not only, like I said, will it change your lives? Absolutely. But I promise you, it will make the lives, the days for these people so much better. Like I said, it's not one of those things that you have to be so excited to do. I'm just asking you to come try it once, just once. If you don't like it, don't ever come again. Just give me that one time, and I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Fantastic. 
And the good thing about the nursing home ministry is too, Jimmy and Kayla have four children, young children, and they can take them all, and the people love the kids, and they get to push them in the wheelchairs, do crafts with them, paint their nails, all that. And it's absolutely fantastic. So, so get involved with that, and you can play a part. And it's not something like Jimmy says, it's weekly. You can be involved with this as well as other ministries because it runs on a Saturday morning. Awesome. Next ministry I want to just talk quickly about because Miss Nancy was going to talk about this tonight. But I want to talk about our Eat Intercede, our prayer team that you can be a part of. Um, Bill and Kay head up our prayer ministry here at this church, which is a vital important. But you can be on our E-team, E-Intercede. And that means that you can sign up and that every time, like these requests that we've heard tonight, they're going to be sent out tomorrow via email to those on our prayer team, an internet prayer team. And we would love for you to sign up wherever you're at, you get email, and just pray for those needs. You get two emails probably a week, maybe some more if we get other needs, but we're not going to flood you with emails all day. But I think E intercede is definitely something that 100% of our church can be a part of and that we can get our needs. Jenny and AC Monan, a lot of you know Miss Jenny and AC, they're not able physically to do a lot, but you know what? Every time they get a prayer from E intercede, they print it out, and they said every night before they go to sleep, they lay hands on that stack of prayer requests and they pray for those needs. And how incredible is that? So you can be a part of that. E, intercede. So if you want to be a part of that, you can come and see me afterwards or, or Mr. Dan and we can help you out with that. And any questions on any of the ministries, if you don't have time to see people tonight, you can call the office and we'll get you hooked up. We've just got two more we're going to talk about tonight. One of them is the welcome team. So I wanted to introduce Pete to you. He's going to come and talk about the welcome team tonight. Woo! Evening, everyone. Good evening. Okay, those of you who know me know that I can uh, waffle a little, and uh, just to, for the purposes of time, I'll keep close to my notes. But uh, yeah, I'm here this evening to talk to you about the Welcome Team. Uh, very exciting ministry, and it is a ministry that, um, as Pastor Phil said, we're basically looking to. Um, it serves a lot of purposes, but in general, the, the, what we do is the, the, the whole purpose of the Welcome Team. In one sentence, it's to help Pastor Phil's vision for this church to become a reality. And that sounds like a bit of a, a general statement, but it's, it's designed to be that way because the welcome team is really there to serve a lot of purposes. Um, the main way that's recognizable to people uh, is that we actually welcome people as they arrive at church. Um, and we're available to them during service if they have any questions or anything like that. Um, it's really not geared just towards welcoming new people though the whole idea is is the welcome team um goes some way to creating a, a god experience for people from the moment they arrive in the car park really just to elevate the environment and just to make sure that everyone's in the right spirits and happy and also to be eyes if you like so that we can actually see those people that might come into service who are hurting who actually do need somebody to go over and speak to them who do need a member of the prayer team to spend some time um, you, you know, ministering to them and, and so forth. So we do serve a lot of purposes, not just at the beginning of service, but also at the end of service and uh, during service also. Uh, now, over and above that, the welcome team in, in this church basically is to, is to this church whatever the church needs. Uh, we're effectively here to, to be um, gap fillers. So if any ministry, anybody in any ministry actually needs a person to do something, then they will actually come to the welcome team and know that we will provide somebody to actually do that. Now, as has already been spoken, some of the ministries, obviously, if, if there's sickness, somebody can't make it, uh, you know, a flat tire, somebody can't make it for nursery, for example, then there's a certain kind of person that can fill in that gap. In other words, they have to have had a background check and so, and so, and so forth. But the other side of the coin is if Megan needs something heavy carrying, then she'll obviously come over to the welcome team and find some strapping young man to actually help her out and carry that thing for her. Um, okay. Now, uh, the welcome team is basically also a training team. As Pastor Phil uh, spoke about earlier on, the welcome team really and truly is uh, a ministry that, frankly, anybody and everybody can be a part of. Now, that's not to make light of it or to say, you know what, it's easy and anyone can do it. Well, what we're basically saying is, is if you're sat in your seat right now and thinking, you know, all of this talk about serving and serving and committing and, and just, you know, you have to be a certain kind of person. You have to have been touched by God and I have to have had, a, you know, a revelation. And, and that's not true. 
the, the bottom line is this. We need you. If it's not the welcome team, every single person who comes in through this, these doors on a Sunday morning can help, and we need your help. I mean, it's as simple as that. So don't think that you have to be anybody in particular because you really don't. And the welcome team is going to be really, there are going to be some people here who are waiting for that calling, who want to serve, but you're actually waiting for that call before you serve. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to wait for your calling before you start serving, that's fine. Wait. But while you're waiting, come and serve. Come on, that's right. Okay? Come and serve. If you join the welcome team, we'll be basically helping you to, in life, in all areas, basically people can see things in you that you can't see yourself. So you might not know where you would fit best in this church. There are people involved in this church, leaders in this church, who may be able to see something in you that you don't see yourself, who can see a space in their ministry that you will fit perfectly. And if you're in the welcome team and you're helping us out and you're doing the welcoming, you're doing the meeting and you're doing the greeting, then you, know, you may well be somebody that they see and say, they'll come to me and say, that person there, do you think they might be suitable for the limo team or for security or something along those lines? So all I'm saying to you is, is the welcome team is your first port of call really okay as pastor phil said we're actually going to be introducing um some uh training sessions the idea behind that will be that we're going to make you feel more equipped to actually go into whatever ministry it is that you finally do get called for and that's going to be a structured program that's going to be something that's going to help you develop and Trey said it brilliantly um just your your serving your giving to other people will completely change you as a person but it will also change your experience of church. Some people think, I don't want to serve because I'm getting the most out of church by just turning up and sitting and listening to pastors' you know, um, sermons and, and things, which obviously are very, very powerful. But I can tell you this from experience. If you're serving, then you will, you'll get even more out of those sermons. Okay. Um, just finishing off. So who do we need? Well, basically anybody that's prepared to serve with Romans 12.11 in mind. Paul wrote in, in Romans 12.11... Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. And that's a key quality for someone thinking about the welcome team and any of the ministries is enthusiasm, okay? And ultimately, I'll finish off on this. The God we serve, if you can't get excited about serving the God that we serve, then you don't have a pulse. Okay, thank you. Good job. Good job. Last but not least, and we've got other ministries in the church. One is the Cupcake Club that uh, Megan's in charge of. You can bake cupcakes. I mean, can you believe that there's a club? We've actually got 20 ministries in our church, if you believe it or not, that you can be a part of. And you've heard really from the main kind of key areas, but there are other ministries um, that you can be involved with too. And we would love to talk with you about that. But here's one that we really need help with too. And Jay's going to come and talk about our security team. Come on, let's give it up for Jay. Save the best for last, right? Uh, I won't be long. Like Philip said, we do need help. We're growing. Um, we're going to continue to grow. We have four or five guys that are here now, uh, DJ, Jimmy, Bill. When you see these guys, say thank you to these guys. They do a lot behind the scenes that you don't know about. Um, we're very busy. Security is not what we strictly do. We, we we can do anything from helping somebody to their car to helping Sarah or Josh or one of their kids to cleaning something spilled in the hallway. Uh, we're kind of like uh, Pete here with the welcome team. We're just we're around for anything. Um, we are looking for men. Uh, we definitely need help um, to relieve some of these other guys, you know, so we can be in church, so we can be fed. Um, and, and so we can be in here with our family some. Uh, if you do join, you, you're probably only looking at maybe one service, maybe two services a month that, that you'll be out uh, and not in service. Um, when we do have some special events, we may, may need everybody on, on hand, uh, but those are, you know, something I'll schedule. Um, if you're on the welcome team, uh, I know me and Pete have talked, we'll – you know, if you're on the welcome team, want to do security too? We'll work it out. We'll we'll make sure the schedules don't conflict, right? So, okay. Um, but
but again, it, it's a variety of things. Uh, you know, we cover from the parking lot to the hallways, bathrooms, you know, just kind of keep an eye on things. Uh, the women and the children of this church are, is the priority to keep safe. I've always have said that. I take it very serious. Um, uh, we want to keep them safe. Um, so if you're interested, come see me. I have some cards we can fill out. And uh, I'm hoping in maybe two weeks uh, to have a little training session and go over some things of the, you know, of the rules and procedures and stuff like that. We do have some badges made. Did they get ordered? Got some badges made, kind of like the welcome teams um, and, and all that. So hopefully just if you want, fill out the card. I'll get with you, and uh, we'll start emailing and get everything set up. Appreciate it. Awesome. Fantastic. And just so many opportunities we want you to be a part of. So what we're going to do right now is, I know time is gone, um, but if you could, just before you leave, why not see Jessica, why not see Josh, why not see Trey, just one of these people, and just maybe you need to line up for a couple. But here's the deal. We don't want people to be stretched to the max, because remember the piece of pie, you can only give out what you have. And we're looking for people to start saying, I want to be involved in this. I want to do this and do that and see Doug or whoever it may be. And if you've got any questions, you can come and talk to me or Pete and we can direct you in the right way. But let's stand as we get ready to close and pray. And then just if you would, come. don't leave here tonight. I really challenge you. Don't leave here tonight without putting your name down somewhere. And we're not going to hold it. If you turn around and say, you know, I can't do that, we understand that. But what we're asking is, can you give us at least six months of commitment? Don't just put your name down and don't follow through. That's a decision. We want people to manage that decision and make it possible for other people. And that we can all serve. How many believes we can all serve in the house in some way? Lord Jesus, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for each one that's here. And God, I pray that your blessing would be upon us tonight. God, I pray that, God, people would feel that tug in their heart to get involved and to be a part. And even those listening by the CD that are going to hear from tonight. God, I pray that, God, you would speak to hearts and lives, that people would get involved, that they would get connected, they would get committed, that they would help us serve. Because, God, here's the mentality that we're running our church with right now, and that is this, we're a thousand members strong. That's what we're driving. We're driving our church, not about numbers, but we're preparing for when, God, you are blessing us and you're going to continue to bless us. And, God, we're going to get things in order because why should you give us more if we can't handle what we already have? And, God, that's why we want to get all these things into place because we know you are blessing us and you're going to continue to bless us. I speak blessing upon every family, every home. God, I ask that your hand would be upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.